You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Well, good morning, Real Life family. How are you guys doing today? All right, you look good. You look really good. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Josh Gray. I'm the executive pastor here at the church, usually behind some, some numbers or working with staff or different things, but today I get to preach. And so excited to be here. You know, it's weird how they choose who gets to preach. So if we're going to do a little review study last week, you get to remember that Aaron got to preach on Tove Mayode. How many people had a Tove Mayode week? It's a very good week. Woo. Five of us. All right. No. Um, had a great week. So Aaron gets to preach on the goodness and how you were made good. And, and God said you were very good. You were Tove Mayode. And then next week you get um, Marty Solomon. Well, who doesn't love having Marty? And so Marty, you know, probably the best thing for Marty would be faithfulness. Let's have Marty preach on faithfulness. Wouldn't that be a good idea? So who do we have that could really relate and preach the best on this one? (laughs) Broken. Let's pick Josh Gray. You get to win. Uh, actually honored to be able to do this and uh, to, just to share what God's been doing through me this week and we'll, uh, we'll dive right in, but God is so good. If you're missing anything, this is kind of like algebra that I remembered to some of the classes I went to, that it's going to build on each other. And so if you missed last week's sermon, which, uh, uh, you know, not everybody is able to make it, you can go online and you can get caught up on last week's lesson because it's going to build. And so last week, we were introduced to this story about how you are good. God created things, and it was good, and it was, it was a God who, who changed the narrative of what, when you look at it in context, he changed the narrative of what these slaves had been in slavery for 400 years. And they had known these gods that were angry, and these gods that were mad, and these gods that were saying, you're not enough. Your sacrifice is not enough. You don't measure up. You haven't produced enough. You don't need rest. And they're introduced to this God who tells them that they were tov mayod. And then probably, as you read the rest of the story, everything's just roses, right? Because like last week, when Aaron told you that, that God said that you were made very good, you were tov mayod, everything was fine, you probably didn't even have a problem this week. It was probably just smooth sailing, Nothing bad happened. And I'm sure that wasn't the way for the people that were reading that story for the first time. And so now we enter into this next uh, piece of the story, and in my Bible it titles it The Fall. And you've maybe heard a lot of sermons on this, and there's lots of great ways to look at this, and, and maybe you'll want to find some after I'm done. But uh, the, the, one of the ways that we traditionally look at this is we look at what happened. And that's the question and the angle that we look at this is, is what happened? Why did man fall? And I want to change that idea and have you look at it from a different perspective of not of what and the whys and dissecting it like our minds would do in the Western world, but let's look at it from maybe how the people that were reading it for the first time would look at it. They would look at it as why does this happen? Not what happened, but why does this happen? Why is there separation? Why is there a fall? What's the why behind it, not the what? Does that make sense? 
Why does this happen? And it's interesting as you, as the very last verse that God leaves them with in Genesis chapter two, uh, he says that uh, two fifteen says the man the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. Can you imagine what kind of world it would be like if you didn't feel shame? It might be something like paradise. It might be like you're walking in the garden with God. And don't think naked as like clothing because that's not a pretty picture sometimes. Think naked as like your brain. You're not carrying baggage. You're not, you're not bringing the, the guilt and the shame of your past actions and dragging them around with you. You're free. So you feel like God leaves them and he says, you know, here's how I left my children. They were naked and unashamed. Who loves a God like that? And do you think that, that the first readers of this would look at this, do you think they felt any shame? Do you think that they had sinned before? Do you think that they kind of like, okay, so this God, he's, you're saying he's not mad at me and you're saying he's good and he thinks I'm very good, okay. Okay, I'm very good, but I don't, I don't feel good all the time. And as you think about your children, if you have children, and you know your children are going to make mistakes because you probably made one or two, would you want your children to have a way to deal with and handle those mistakes that you already know they're going to make? Why would your Father in heaven not feel the same way about us? So this isn't going to beat you up and a slap you down and you're, look what you did. Because I don't know, but I, I never met Adam or Eve. That was a long time ago. But I still feel shame. So let's dive into the text and tear it apart a little bit. I'm going to read and then stop and blah, 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 and then read and stop and blah, blah, blah. But this is kind of way that my mind works and how God's been working through me this last week and preparing for the sermon. So if you don't like it, no, I'm just kidding. Um, here we go. So now the serpent... Remember, you just heard that you were naked and you felt no shame. Next verse. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, did he really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say that? You want, let me tell you why. Okay, next slide. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Next slide. You won't certainly die. No, you won't die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows. He knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, because God is holding out on you. I don't know if you know this. God did not prepare you. He did not give you enough. And so he doesn't want you to be like him, even though he said you're created in his image and all those things. He's holding out on you. He's holding out. Right? And if you could only be like this, or if you could only do this, you'll know more stuff. And then, and then you could ascend to this position where you could... You will not surely die. 
I wanted to title this sermon, but it was already titled before I got the notes, not broken. I wanted to title it Crushing Whispers. Because this voice is introduced for the first time here. Before it's God and Adam, and then he adds Eve, and they're good, and they felt naked, and they're not ashamed. And then there's a voice that's entered to the conversation. Probably doesn't happen now. That's so old. There's probably no voices that are entering your conversation now, right? Or maybe you have lots of voices that entering your mind in your conversation and who you are and what you are. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, because it's always better because somebody's always holding out on you because you're not enough. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who knows what he was doing, obviously not paying attention, who was with her, and he ate it. I'm like a sheep. Okay. Not that there's any guys like that that aren't paying attention to their wives and what's going on, but it's all right. Uh, oh, uh, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. Not necessarily nude, but naked. Wait a minute. I do get to see what good and evil is, and I just did something that was evil because I was told not to do it by the one who loved me and created me. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Next slide. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Must be like uh, Jurassic Park. No, heard the, heard the um, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Pause. Let's let's run this back, and I'll just take it to the Josh Gray level of life. I had a have three children. Not that they all have stories, and I did the same thing. I think my mom told me I ate a box of X Flax and a ten dollar bill, and then hid <laughs> when I was like two. And guess what? Uh, so, and I had, I, we've had kids do different things where they had their candy and you come around the corner and like, it's all like gone, but there's candy is all here and wrappers and everything everywhere, but where's the kid? Hiding. I was thinking about creating this app that would be really cool that as soon as you sent something or said something, it would disappear forever. It would be so good. Nobody would ever know. Don't you guys think it's a great idea? Let's just work in secrecy and hidden. Or how, how about the 20-year-old 20, 20 folks that have a problem with porn and they're dealing with those things and they have like an alarm system and they're erasing their history because why would you need to do that because there's no, no shame in it. And they're listening carefully to make sure that nobody's going to walk up and get caught and they'll throw their computer, spill water on their computer or do whatever because we don't have to do that in secrecy, do we? How about a 30-year-old guy driving back from a casino, getting the clay chips out of his nails and holding his white dress shirt because he allegedly sells insurance out the window at 40 miles an hour so it doesn't sound like smoke so he could go home and lie to his family about what he was doing? How about that guy? How about the 40-year-old guy? How about the 50? Do I hear 60? Do I hear 70? Do I hear 80? I think I talked to Charlie. He said you don't send anymore after 70. Just clear. Any seven-year-olds want to verify that? It's just, you're done sending then? And what is the common 
thing, what happens when you allow shame into your life? What do you do with it? You hide it. You want to hide? Hide the things that are going on in your life? Does it relate at all? Why are they hiding? So then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord of God among the trees of the garden. Next slide. But the Lord God called uh, to man. He said, where are you? Because he didn't know. Has God ever said that to you? As he said, where are you? Where are you? I have plans for you. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I don't think it's a where are you. Like, I don't know where you are. It's a, my child, where are you? Who is this? Have you ever met somebody that you're just like, I don't even know who they are anymore. Like, where are you? Like, you're here, but you're not here. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So I hid. And God says something really cool. He said, who told you that you were naked? Who are you listening to? Who told you that you were naked? Because I just said you were naked and unashamed. But somebody's told you you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from? The man said, the woman, of course what we do is shame and sin. <laughs> blame, blame, move the blame game. We're just like, well, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault, right? The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Somebody else's fault for sure. Your shame and your sin is somebody else's fault. When they offered you that drink, when they offered you that drug, when they offered you their body, when they offered you whatever, that's their fault. It's not your fault. That's how a sinner views it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Like I often comment to my wife. No. Said no man ever who wanted a good marriage. No. Uh, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the, the serpent. The serpent, the snake you put in here, God, you made a mistake, but you put that serpent in here, and he deceived me, and then I ate it. Ah, okay, okay, next slide. So the Lord God said to the serpent, ooh, he goes after the serpent right away, which I find that interesting. Goes right after the serpent, and he said, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all wild animals. Next, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Anybody messes with my kids in here? You will crawl on your belly. Do you feel that, moms and dads? You crawl on your belly. You mess with my kids. The bummer is when you realize that you're the one that are, that are letting your kids get messed with. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head. He will. Who is this he? Prophecy about Jesus, right? You guys have seen the movie The Passion? He will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. 
you have all of these voices that are coming after you. There's lots of voices out there, is there not? And they're nipping at your heels. And God gives us the opportunity. He gives us a way out. Would you not give your kids a way out? And he tells you to crush it. All right, everybody stand up. Everybody that's able to stand up, stand up. This is audience interaction time. If you have a beautiful baby, don't wake the baby up. All right, everybody limbered up? No. If you have a bad heel or a bad foot, use the other one and sign this waiver. No. I want you to remember this exercise. I want you to be thinking about this because you know what's going to happen this week? You're going to have whispers that are going to come into your life. And they're not going to be whispers of the voice of God always. And you're going to have to identify what those whispers are. So let's do a practice one. I'm going to count to three, and then we'll do a, a, a heel stomp, okay? And then we'll start working through it. So one, two, three. Okay, we are not going to make the river dance team here. <laughs> I want you to be thinking right now about the biggest lie that you've been told. How you've been deceived. What somebody said you are when they said, and do this with me on the count of three. You know what? You are not good enough. Okay, I'll try it. You are not good enough. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're not smart enough. You should try these drugs. You pick it. And I want you to think right now, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. I want you to think about the biggest lie that you've ever been told. The whisper that you believed. And maybe you used to believe it. Maybe you still believe it. But you have the power to stomp it out. You have the power to stomp it out. On a count of three. Let's stomp it out. One, two, three. It's finished. Sit down. Go ahead. Just take a seat. You stomp it out. You stomp it out. You're going to have to stomp stuff out. You're going to have to write it down this week. And you have to recognize and realize that. As we move towards the Lord's Supper, if, you can, if you're serving that, go ahead and do that. Um, we have an open table. Isn't weird? We're a church that does communion every week because we want to bring it right back to Jesus, to the he who will stomp out and crush whispers. So if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's part of your life, please partake. Otherwise, it's not great juice and cracker. And you're going to be like, that's not great. And so as we walk through these implications, I want you to know that you, you get to choose what voices you listen to. I find it interesting in our society, the voices that we are now allowed to listen to. And as a parent, how I've expanded that and let that go in and out. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm a kid from the 90s. I really like Guns N' Roses. And uh, if I'm a rap guy, I like NWA. And guess what I felt like after I listened to Guns N' Roses and NWA? Like I wanted to fight. Like I wanted to not be great with ladies. I let all of these voices start programming my head at 15, 16, 17 years old and had no filter. There was nobody protecting the filter of what was coming into my life. You get to choose the filter that comes into your life personally. Parents, you get to choose what comes into your house. Men, you get to choose 
what comes into your house. Do you believe that? You and your wife get to choose what influences your kids. You have the freedom. You are not bound by society to have to have them have a smartphone. You are not bound to, to let them take it and do whatever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want with it. And you yourself don't have to take your phone with you everywhere you go. What you watch on TV, I'm not trying to beat everybody up, but let's think about this for reals, right? What voices are you letting into your family on television? I started to watch a very Christian show called House of Cards. <laughs> Too many people laughed in here. I can tell you that right now. And I really want to know what happens at the end of it because I, I, I had great self-discipline and after episode six, I turned it off. I was like, this is not making me think higher of our leaders. This is not making me think that fidelity is a better way to go than infidelity. This is not making me, drawing me closer to God. This is probably pushing me farther away. And you name the TV show, you pick it. Real Housewives of whatever. Let me tell you how that, I'm going to save you thousands of hours. There's gossip. I've never seen the show, but let me just guess. You guys tell me if I'm wrong, all you Real Housewives. There's gossip. There's chasing money. There's chasing body image. And there's chasing other people's spouses. I've never seen it. That's just my guess. If I'm totally wrong, I'll start watching it right away. Just let me know which episodes to watch. Let me tell you about Gold Rush. Fellas, the Viking's going to cuss a lot. Uh, Parker Schnabel's going to win. He's going to get the most gold. And the Hoffmans are not going to win. Done. Saved you multiple seasons. You pick it. But what are you allowing into your life? Implication number one, what whispers do you need to crush in your life? You have them. Maybe 30 years old, it may be 40 years old, it may be four hours old. But God's trying to get our attention about the voices that you're listening to. Who told you that you were naked? What areas of your life are you hiding in shame? How's that feel? Pretty light burden to, to wear? Or are you really good at forgetting about your shame and then it'll crop up sometime and you start going on this good track and then shame just, oh, come on back here. This is where you belong down here with your shame. How would I go about get, getting rid of this thing called shame? The Bible has some answers for that too. Probably should be in a care group. Probably should be in an accountability group. Probably should be in a place where you can process that. And just think about this. If you could let go of your shame, if you could be naked and unashamed mentally, what would be different in your life? How would you walk? Who would you influence? How would you be able to love differently if you could leave shame at the door? And this isn't a one and done. This isn't a like, oh, yes, I've... I'm finished and everything's fine. I've done with shame because somehow I find new areas of shame in my life. As a Christian, as a pastor, as a dad, as a whatever, I seem to, I don't know if I just attract it or I don't have the discernment to not listen to the right voices, but I have to go back and crush whispers. 
and your heel might get sore. You might get tired. But you got to go back and crush whispers. You know what your kids are going to land on today in children's church? This is their verse they're going to take home that you're going to hopefully have a chance to discuss it with them. And you hopefully discuss it in your care groups. But here's how God feels about this. It's Romans 8, 38 through 90. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, including your shame. Because he gives you a way to deal with your shame. He gives you a way to get rid of it, to stomp whispers. And they're coming. Are you stomping? Is the voice of God louder than the voice of the other stuff? And it may start with slow changes. You may have to do like, all right, I'm going to do 10% worship music and 90% Guns N' Roses. And then I'm going to go 20% worship music and 80% NWA. And then you got to make those changes, those little changes in your life that are going to take you closer to where God wants you. But he's given you a way. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to take it around. You can make those mistakes, but you don't have to carry it with you your whole life. you got to choose to stomp it out. And that's what the Lord did at the table for us. He gave you the way to stomp it out. So on that night uh, that he was betrayed, uh, God held up the, the bread. And he said, this is my body. You're going to need it. You're going to need me to help stomp out the lies that people are going to tell you. You need the Lord, I need the Lord. Let's take it and eat. And then he took the cup. Not only are you going to need my body, but you're going to need my blood. You're going to need all of me. And he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Lord, we need you. Father God, I just thank you for today. Lord, I hope your, your word comes out clear. I hope as we look at Genesis 3 in the fall that you already knew that, that was going to happen. You're trying to teach us how we could deal with that fall. You're trying to tell us that, yes, I want you to be naked and unashamed. But when you do feel shame, I'm going to give you a way to stomp it out. And I want you to stomp it out. And I want you to move forward in your life. I want you to love deeper than you've ever loved before. I want you to, 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 to have community that's amazing, to have real family. Let me help you have real family by stomping out shame. Father God, these are your sons and daughters. Let us hear your word and not just hear it and think that was okay, but actually act on it, Father. Help me, Josh Gray, stomp out shame in my life this week and help everyone else in here. We want to live free, Lord. We want to live free like you've intended us, and I just say that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 